0: Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Hello Church, greetings in Jesus' mighty name. I am so excited once again to come to you and to just talk about the goodness of God on this precious day. By the grace of God, we have just completed 12 years. This is our 12th anniversary of the World Impact Community Church. And we have seen the amazing goodness of God, the miraculous word of the Lord being fulfilled in our lives through these years. So I want to just wish all of you, as a WICC family, I just want to wish all of you a wonderful uh, 12th anniversary. And may the Lord bless you and keep you in the years ahead. My memory goes back to the goodness of God. The Bible says, has he not said it, will he not do it? You know, there are things God has said in the last years as a prophetic word that God would do. And, and we begin to see how God began to do it. I remember in the earliest days... Uh, The people that began to come into the church were primarily from the Technopark community and uh, people that, you know, we would go there multiple times and meet with people and and speak into their lives and and they in turn came and worshipped and became family and we fellowshiped together and we saw them grow and many of them get married and go to different places and become a blessing in the places they've gone. Indeed, there were prophetic word, not only the Technopark community, but those prophetic word that people from the medical backgrounds and other spheres of education and all, they would come in. And one by one, we have begun to see how people have come in from different spheres. And many of you have become the family of God in this household of faith. I want to thank God for God's goodness. He's been absolutely amazing. Over the last uh, three weeks we have been looking at a specific topic called Are You Unaware of Satan's Schemes? And we felt we should take this serious because we felt the Holy Spirit asking us specifically in this season to talk about it. And we saw Pastor Hannah and Brother Abraham took in the last three weeks, they took about how Satan is a a tempter, how Satan is a deceiver, and how Satan is an accuser. And all how we have been blessed by that. So we saw that Satan was firstly a deceiver. He deceives us by his lies, and it come, he comes near us as a friend. He speaks to us like a friend, like he's on our side. After that, when Satan comes tempting, he comes tempting us with our lusts, with our desires. When he tempts us with our lusts, he comes beside us as our provider. Saying, Do you know that if you eat this fruit or if you buy that thing or if you go after that uh, ungodly relationship, you'll be blessed? He comes as a provider. Then, when Satan comes to you, he comes as an accuser. And we saw that last week. When he comes as an accuser, he comes blaming you. And he comes against you as your opposer. He comes to tell you, You're terrible, you're horrible, you'll never make it in life. And this is what the devil wants to do. But today, We are going to look at how Satan is coming beside you and he's coming to stand against you as your destroyer. When Satan comes against you as your destroyer, he comes against you as your chief enemy. Many people, they think, they don't understand that people are not our enemies. But yet people are the ones we are most hurt with. And so we are tempted to look at people as our enemies. But God wants you to know our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's against Satan. Do you know Satan was is the enemy of God, our Father in heaven? And why he became the enemy of God is when he saw God in all his glory, he told himself, I'm going to ascend on high and I'm going to seat myself on the throne. So he desired power and he desired, you know, to overcome and become king. And so that was pride. So pride and power got him thrown out of the host of heaven and of the kingdom of heaven. And he became the enemy of God. Jesus said in John's gospel, chapter 10 and verse 10, The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus calls Satan a thief. And he says, Satan came for three things. Firstly, he came to steal. He came to steal the joy from your life. He comes to steal your Bible reading, your time with God. He wants to steal your prayer life. He wants to steal the peace in your home, your relationship with your parents, your relationship with your leaders, your followers. Your relationship with God. He wants to steal your faith. He wants to steal your provision. Satan wants to steal everything. Secondly, he comes as a killer. He wants to kill your spiritual life. He wants to kill God's people. The walk with God, he wants to destroy it by bringing lusts and temptations. But then he comes not only as a thief and a a killer, but he also comes as the destroyer. When he comes as a destroyer, He wants to destroy God's plans on your life. He wants to destroy God's purposes on your life. He wants to destroy the kingdom of God. And he wants to get done with that once and for all. Now some people confuse when they think of the destroyer. They wonder, you know, is Satan the only destroyer? No, the Bible refers, in fact, to a group of angels of God also as the destroyer angels. And I want you to know they're different from the devil the destroyer angels are the angels that god would send to execute judgment upon the enemies of god in the land people that that's what they were the ones that went and fought on behalf of israel against the other nations and all of that but satan is not a destroyer angel uh, or the the uh, destroying angel that executes judgment on behalf of god he is the destroyer what is the difference his enemies are the kingdom of God and the family of God. You and I are the enemies of Satan. So that is why the Bible calls the destroyer. Because Satan wants to destroy you, because you and I, we remind him of God. You and I remind him who our father is, and, and how an awesome God he is. You and I remind him of the glory of God and the heavens. And Satan cannot destroy what the Lord wants to keep. And that is why he knows if he can deceive you and me, that is the only way he can destroy us. So what does Satan do? He looks for a fertile ground. He looks for a heart. He looks, who is that prey? How, whom can he deceive? Whom can he cheat? He, because he is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He is the opposite of everything that God is. God is a creator. Satan is an imitator. He offers you the counterfeit all the time. God is love. Satan is hatred, God is truth, Satan is a liar, God is a redeemer, he wants to redeem you. Satan is a destroyer and God is humble and Satan is proud. He wants to destroy everything about God. This Satan has declared all out war against you and me. The the war of Satan is on two fronts. The first front is a spiritual warfare in the heavenlies. That is in demonic hosts that are over nations and over principalities that are over regions, over cities. Every city has a cry. Every nation has a cry. And demonic hosts, that's the first realm of his warfare. The second realm of warfare is against you and me, the family of God, in our minds. If he, can, if he can get our mind, he can get us. That is why devil always goes for our mind. What we're thinking, what we're thinking, what we're thinking. That's what the devil wants to attack. In the heavenly, Satan knows we have authority. But in the fertile ground of our heart or our mind, that is way where Satan can come in and destroy us. How does he want to destroy us? He wants to firstly destroy your image. He wants to destroy the image of yourself. He wants to destroy what you think about yourself. You have a low self-esteem. You don't consider yourself anything. If he can destroy, if you can say you're nothing, you amount to nothing, you're worth nothing, you're hopeless, you're useless. Oh, that's the way he begins to destroy your image. He will say, you're not the son of God. You're horrible. So he wants to destroy your image. Then he wants to destroy your relationships. Because if he can destroy your relationships and take you away from the people that love God, and love, he can get you. In fact, many years ago I heard a saying, I share that with my children and I believe it is really true. The banana that is the first to leave the bunch is the first to be eaten. I want you to know that's what Satan wants to do as a lion. Lions want to separate you from the pack so that they can kill you. He wants to destroy your relationships, isolate you, separate you. Thirdly, he wants to destroy your health. Satan wants to go against your health. He wants to destroy your health by, by putting sickness. And, uh, and the Bible says in Luke 13, 16, And ought not this woman being uh, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound these 18 years, specifically Satan binding the woman, the deaf-mute spirit whom Jesus delivered uh, you know, uh, the, that person off. The Bible says Satan can bring sickness Satan also wants to destroy you of your faith. If he can get the faith out of your heart. If he can get you to stop believing. That is why so many believers, even pastors today. In prosperous nations or in first world nations. Many of them are giving up their faith. And they are saying we used to believe this stuff. But now we don't. They give into reason. Rather than giving into faith. Satan wants to destroy your faith. And then through that Satan wants to destroy your destiny. He knows if he can destroy your journey. He can destroy what you can destroy in his kingdom. He wants to destroy your destiny of you being used by God, powerfully used by God. He wants to. He has only one intention, people of God. Satan's only one intention is to destroy you and to destroy the kingdom of God, the household of faith. Through that, he wants to hurt God. When he hurts you, that's his way of hurting God. Because you are God's child. You're precious to God. He attacks you both internally and externally. He attacks you internally in your mind and your heart. And how does he do that? He does that through his voice. He brings words into your heart and he begins to tell you. This is his biggest weapon. Words. Words, he uses words, he speaks to you, speaks to you, speaks to you. And and that's what we looked at in the previous weeks, how he, he accuses you and how he deceives you. His biggest weapon is his voice. He attacks you internally through offerings that he makes. If you will worship me, I will give you all of that. If you will leave that church, see how I will bless you. If you will go after that particular girl, see what all I will do for you. Or if you will take that job and go to that nation where I don't want you to go, where God doesn't want you to go, see how I will bless you. He, he tempts you through offerings. Thirdly, in the in the internal attacks, He attacks you, you know, inside of you by attacking your identity. So He attacks you internally by attacking your identity, telling you will amount to nothing. Your future is Hopeless you you're good for nothing i struggled through that i remember the years i came into full time ministry after being a, uh, finishing my medical training and when i saw many of my friends prosperous doctors they became you know head of departments or they became prosperous and they did their masters and went on oh the devil used to tell me you'll amount to nothing you have no future you are nothing you will amount to nothing you will make nothing you will do nothing i had to shut my ears to his voice because i knew that this was a scheme of the devil as i look back through the years i have for me, me, everything that I thought was something today means very little to me. Because the will of God is to do, by, is that's the greatest desire of my heart. He will attack you internally. Satan will also try to attack you externally. How? From people. People will come and say, you're wasting your life. What have you done all this for? Who cares about you? You know, if you don't have money, you, are not, you won't amount to anything. You don't have a future. But I want you to know, don't listen to his external attacks. He will also try to attack your health. He'll try to bring sickness upon your life and pull you down. He wants to destroy your health so you'll not carry a message. He'll try to destroy your mind so you will not carry the message of God. He'll try to destroy your relationships and your, all of that so you cannot have a happy life. He will try to attack your health externally. Satan can also try to attack you directly. If he does that, he knows in his heart. That he, he has got you. And I believe with this direct attack. Maybe through an accident. Or maybe through other schemes. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this. So that you will not be unaware. Not to be afraid. We don't live in fear. Perfect love casteth out all fear. You and I do not live in fear. We live in the love of God. And because of the love of God. We stand boldly. Satan intends to turn you against God. To turn you against the people of God. By getting you offended. And to turn people against you turn you against God turn you against the people of God and to turn people against you and if he succeeds in any one of these three he's got you but I want you to know he's a defeated foe because Satan is so determined to be the destroyer that he has decided to be to be the enemy of the kingdom of heaven therefore he knows if he can destroy us that are God's precious treasure it'll break the heart of God the most And so, he cannot destroy us directly because of the authority of God that is on us. But he begins with the fertile ground, if our heart is open, to be listening to his voice. So, Satan first begins with the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. You know, at the Garden of Eden, you see, God had given Adam and Eve everything they needed. He gave them significance. He created them in in His image, Genesis 1.27. He gave them an identity and relationship. The Bible says in Luke 3, Luke's Gospel 3.38, the Bible says Adam was the son of God. He gave an identity. He gave them security and provision. Eat of all the trees in the garden. Eat whatever you like. Take everything. God had given them contentment. He said, I bless you. There was a blessing upon their life. They were living a blessed life. God gave them authority, have dominion, rule over all the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. He had that authority and dominion over everything. And God had also given them a mission, tend the garden, take care of this, and rule, fill the earth and rule it. So God had given them significance, relationship, security, contentment, authority, mission, everything. But when the fall happened, they tried to get more than what God had given them. They try to achieve all of this outside the offering or the provisions of God. When we try to satisfy any of this outside of a relationship with God, we end up having a mess in our hand. Many of us, we think, now we'll be satisfied if we have a better lover. Or we'll be satisfied if I have a better job. Or maybe I'll have a better education. Or a better house. Or a better nation that I can live in. Or if I can have a better marriage than the one I'm stuck in. And the list goes on. But all of this, apart from God, is destruction. I want to say that again. All of this, apart from God, is destruction. Adam and Eve, wanting the knowledge of good and evil, apart from God, led them to destruction. This is what happened. They felt that the significance, identity, relationship, security, provision... Authority, mission and contentment that God had given them was just not enough. They begin to think how, what a terrible leader God was. They forgot his generosity and they begin to think of all the things that God is not doing for them. That's how Satan begins to speak to you. Stop looking at what all he has given you and start looking at all the things you don't have under this terrible leader who is God. They wanted something more. What did they want? They wanted the knowledge of good and evil. Because knowing would give them the power to make decisions for themselves. When you and I want to make decisions for ourselves outside the plan of God, outside the will of God, that's when we want to control our own lives. We want the power to make decisions by knowing what is good and evil. And the power to fulfill our desires and to decide what is good for us and what is not. And we do not want to depend on an external factor or an external God for those choices. So the knowledge of good and evil was determining for ourselves what is good and what is evil. So this was a hook that Satan put for them. What was the hook? He put that hook in Adam and Eve's heart and left them with an unfulfilled desire. And this is what Satan does with us. He leaves us with unsatisfied desires. We have a desire for this. We have a dream for that. Oh, if I could go to that place and have that. And this leads our heart into, from unsatisfied desires, we move into what the Bible calls evil desires. An evil eye, which means desiring things that are not what God has planned for us. Many times in my life I have desired that. You know, there are times I have wanted things in my life. I desired if God would give me that, that would be so amazing. And when the Lord just didn't do anything about it, I've been upset. I've been angry. I've been disappointed with God and disappointed with man. I felt people don't care for me. If they did, they would have done this for me. And I could tell you story after story, uh, you know, but uh, it's just some of them are just too painful. The road I took, I hurt myself. I got worried, I got upset, until I begin to understand those were not the plans of God for my life. First John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and the pride of life... Is not from the Father. It's from it's from the world. So everything that we are lusting after is not from God. So this is what happened in the Garden of Eden. You know Genesis and chapter three in the Garden of Eden. You know the story how Adam and Eve were there and Satan comes as a serpent and he begins to speak to them. What did Satan do? Look at the the, the train of events. He looked for an opportune time. The thoughts. And the words from Satan began to slowly be sowed into Eve and Adam's heart, little by little, little by little. It doesn't happen in a day, you know, little by little. And then one day they got dissatisfied with everything they had. And they began to look at the two things they didn't. And they began to tell themselves, why is God not giving us this? And Satan now told them, because God knows you'll become like God. They began dissatisfied, desires begin to grow in their heart. And their heart wasn't prepared for this attack. This unprepared heart of the believer is often not able to handle the attack. When Satan brings thoughts like that in our life, many times we have not discipled our heart. So we are not prepared. Or maybe we prepared a few years ago and now we don't remember what is there. Not being able to be alert... Of our pride and Satan's schemes. And seeds begin to grow and take root in our heart. And these thoughts begin to grow until one day we are consumed by it. We wake up thinking angry thoughts about the other person who did not do it for us or That, uh, you know, you know, painful thoughts about the other person who said those things. And we become consumed by it. And then Satan attacks and destroys us by the way we are thinking. These unfulfilled desires in our heart tempts us. James in chapter 1 verse 13-14 says God doesn't tempt us. But we are tempted, I am tempted uh, by uh, when uh, my own desires, my own lusts begin to take over my heart. So this unfulfilled desire gets me offended with God and offended with man. When we are offended, we begin to desire a life apart from God, many times, just look at your life and my life, how we have decided to isolate ourselves. Isolating from people is a life away from God's plan because the Bible says we're not designed to do that. Why does this come? Because Satan tells us if you can get offended and if you can stay away, you, we, what we begin to do is we begin to design a life outside the plan of God. Adam and Eve did that. They hid in the bushes maybe. They put some leaves together and they designed a life away from God. That's what Eve did when she questioned the nature of God. She chose to isolate herself from the laws and the presence of God. Being tempted is not sin, but yielding to that temptation is the problem. And that was the case with Lucifer also in heaven. He desired what was out of bounds for him. Desire is where everything begins. When we desire things that God has put out of bounds. And when this comes into our life, Satan uses that to destroy us. Satan wants to destroy us first by our unfulfilled desire. Aren't there so many things in your life and my life that have been unfulfilled? We dreamt about this and desired that. I've had so many dreams. I wouldn't have enough time to tell you the dreams I had that have not been fulfilled. I can tell you the number of times I've been disappointed. And when this disappointment comes, hurt comes in. When hurt comes in, Satan uses that and then pride comes in. When pride comes in because of that hurt, then I feel like rebelling against Everyone who hurt me, rebelling against a God who doesn't think good for me, rebelling against the plans that I wish. Maybe if I had married that person, I'd be happy. Maybe if I'd married this person, I'd be happy. Maybe if I'd live in that country, I'd be happy. And rebellion begins to grow. If you have been struggling with those thoughts, I want you to know that's the scheme of the devil. Because that is a that leaves us with a hard heart finally. That's a bait of Satan. He will put that bait in and get your heart and my heart to become a hard heart. Once you're offended and then we try to reason against God. And one day we will say, God, but this Lord, but why not Lord? Lord, why are you not allowing that? Why don't you let me have that? We reason against God and one day we get offended with God. Anything you're offended with, you will not want to relate with. When I got offended with God, I don't want to pray, I don't want to read the Bible, I don't want to meet up with God's people, I don't want to listen to common sense that my parents have to tell me or my my people who care about me want to tell me. I I want to back off from anybody who's going to tell me anything that hurts me or reminds me of my pain. So basically I want to get away from God and man that's going to remind me of my pain. Pain is the issue. What is that pain because of? Unfulfilled desire. So what does it do? It takes us away from our object of worship. It takes us away from God. We want to stop worshipping God. We don't want to go to church. We don't want to go for carousel. We don't want to go, we don't want to listen to the word of God. It takes us away from the reason to worship God it takes us away from the joy of worship. There's no more joy. We go to church, we'll sit in the back, and, uh, you know, chew gum, or just, just hang out, and, and you're just not interested anymore because there's offenses in our heart. It takes us away from the freedom of worship. Oh, just remember how we used to leap and jump and worship God in the, in those innocent days when we knew the, the, the joy of salvation. It takes us away from the desire of worship, and then finally, we worship our own desires. Satan attacks us. He will attack our pride. He will attack, he will attack you when you're weak. He will attack you when you're down. He will attack you when you're feeling low. And he will come at it. You know it's like a boxer. He knows his enemy is down. He's got that punch. He will keep, keep punching there. Because he knows he's got you and me there. Anywhere Satan has got you and me. He will keep going for it. So he will tell you. He will attack you. And he will tell you you're good for nothing. Nobody cares about you. He will go on with those words. You don't need to worry too much about, you know, others who care about you. Walk away. Because Satan, you know, that's what he will tell you. Because Satan will attack you when you're most vulnerable. Satan is a destroyer. Why will he destroy you? Because you remind him of his enemy, God. You're the image of God. You're a treasure of God. You're a child of God. You're so precious to God. And he wants you to stumble and fall. He, you know, Satan wants you to stumble, and he knows the way to make you stumble, is to offend you. And when you're offended, you get hard-hearted because of pride. You say, oh, he hurt me, I'm not going to let him hurt me anymore. I'm not going to let anybody hurt me. Oh yeah, you know, if you don't let anybody hurt you, what you and I do when we take that stand, is that we decide, I'll hurt myself. I don't need anyone to hurt me. When you isolate yourself, you and I, we decide that I myself am going to hurt me. We partner with the devil. Why? Because he's cornered you alone. The lions cornered that lamb or that animal. Uh, You know, that's what the devil wants you to do. He wants to, you know, he didn't attack David, you know, uh, because he, he knew that he attacked David when David was most vulnerable. In a moment when he wasn't watching, in a moment when everybody was out there at war, he took Bathsheba out there. He attacked David at the height of his popularity. So therefore, let's not think because I'm very popular or I'm successful right now, I won't be attacked by the devil. The devil won't try to destroy me. He will try to destroy you when you're nobody. And he will also try to destroy you when you become somebody. That means at any point in our life, the devil will try to destroy us. 70,000 people died because of David. When he counted the fighting men. He counted the fighting men. You know Moses also counted his fighting men. Uh, But Moses counted the people of Israel to know the numbers, but uh, David counted the people to know how strong his army was, and he had forgotten that God would would fight his battle. Pride is so easy for us to see in the hearts of other people, but pride is so hard when we have to see it in our own hearts. And we may never be more vulnerable than at a moment when we are hurt, offended, and our hearts are so proud that we just can't go back to God. David went right back to God and he said, against you and you only have I sinned, O God. He fell on his face and he said, God have mercy. And that's why that scripture is so powerful, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. God wants you and me to have a humble heart. He doesn't want us to be self-righteous. The Bible says, you know, many times self-righteousness will try to destroy you and me. Self-righteousness, we say, there are things that you and I can say, we might say things like, as if those people are believers. They say they're believers, oh, oh what kind of, you know, they say they're believers but they're not. Why be offended with them? They never even called me. They don't care. And, and look how they hurt me. If they were believers, they wouldn't say that. Or self-righteousness may come in my heart, or your heart, like, by thinking, I- I'm holy, I'm not like them. You know, they don't love me, but I'm, I love everybody. I call everyone. I care for everyone. And I become so, and that's the bait of Satan. Self-righteousness. I'm like, I'm not like others. I'm better than others. I'm in church every week. I'm there for all, uh, for all the practices. I'm there for all the prayer meetings. Uh, not like them who are not there. You see, I'm a self-made man. I worked hard for this. That's why I'm here. I myself got me where I am. And that's the bait of Satan. He wants to destroy you. Another way in which we get destroyed by the devil is by our inability to be corrected. You know there are many, many Christians today. They get offended people, they back off. And then you see them on Facebook, you see them on Twitter, on Instagram. Their hurts and their pain and their offense is poured out. They don't want to talk to anybody uh, because they're offended. You know, we know what that means. They're cornered. Satan has just got them to a corner and he's like a devouring lion. But the terrible thing is at that point when we're in that corner and Satan wants to destroy us, we just don't know that the devil has done this to us. And that's why it's so terrible because we come to a place of inability to be corrected and then we become isolated and we become a vagabond. We say, don't tell me I'm wrong. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I advise? Do you know who my circle of counselors are? The Bible says God opposes the proud. In fact, the word is a military term. God stand, raises a military opposition against the proud. Sometimes we just become secretive, self-protective. I got a problem, but I won't tell anyone. I'll just secretly hide my problem. Because what will happen to my reputation if people come to know You know, I have struggled with that in my life. I've tried to guard my own reputation until one day God cornered me to the wall and said, it's either I who am going to protect you or you're going to spend the rest of your life trying to protect yourself. I knew in my heart at that moment, if God did not protect me, I would have no way I'm going to save my reputation. And some of us would say, I will never forgive them. I would never forgive such a person. You know, many of us are offended and then we will say, I'll never forgive. Even even saying that or thinking that is self-righteousness. We are just set up, you just set yourself up for the devil to destroy you. The Bible says, forgive as Christ has forgiven us. But we want that knowledge, that decision, the power to control our life. So I won't forgive them. I, in fact, I won't even talk to them. When I see them, I'll just say, Hi, I won't forgive them. In my heart, I will hold that against them. Why? That's also a desire in my heart to have control. And that is a bait of Satan. Satan knows we will destroy life. And then some of us would say, I want to live my own life. I'm going to do what I want. I don't care about these believers. I don't care about the household of God. In fact, I'm going to have a new friend circle. I'm going to go out and have fun. Look at all my friends having fun. I'm going to go out and, and maybe get drunk like them or, or destroy my life or have fun like them and we will be isolated. Like Satan says, we will tell in our own hearts, I will arise and I will sit myself on the throne of God and I will make my own decisions, live my own life. Pride will lead me to a hard heart. This hard heart will lead me to destruction. Look at what Satan did to Eve. And Adam, he destroyed them and threw them out of the garden. We need to be careful, people of God, who we give our heart to. Don't give your heart away to the enemy. To whom have you given your heart today? Is your heart soft or is your heart a hard heart? Is your heart open to correction? Or is your heart wanting to be a vagabond, isolate and be away from the family of God? Has your heart been drawn away from God? Have you stopped reading the Bible? Have you stopped worshipping God? Have you stopped praying? Is your heart a hardened heart? Have you been ignoring God and running away from God? Or from God's people who God has placed in your life and my life to love us and stand with us? It's never too late to give our hearts to God. How have I allowed my heart to be drawn away from God? I want to challenge you. Come right back to God today. God is calling on your heart because that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to destroy your heart. If he has got your heart, the next thing he will go for is your mouth. Because the Bible says life and death is in your mouth. Then the mouth begins to cooperate with the heart. Once the heart is hurt, then the mouth begins to say everything that the heart wants. We use our mouth to exaggerate things. Like Eve, you know, he said not only to eat, don't even touch it. We exaggerate things. And we make small things in a big. You know, we, we, we he didn't look at us, but we are so offended we'll say, not only looks at, me, he never looks at me. You know, for the last three months I've been coming, he doesn't look at me. We exaggerate things. And then we begin to boast about the wonderful things we do and who we are. And we compare ourselves, the goodness, uh, compared to the other people's goodness. And this is our natural bent to exaggerate The hurt we are feeling, the anger we are feeling. And when we do that, Satan has just positioned us to destroy us. We complain. Complaining is our way of telling God we don't have control over our destiny. And saying, what a lovely life we would have had outside. Once we are offended, this natural bend will make my mouth serve my heart. It will make me speak half-truths. And which are lies, we desire to fulfill our unsatisfied desires by speaking lies, maybe by, and when i 'm hurt i want to I want to solve it by hurting others, because I want to hurt anyone that hurts me and by maybe by staying away, maybe by saying mean words or lying about them, we end up speaking lies about the other person, and then from the mouth, we go to the eyes. Satan wants to use our eyes by lusting that 's the time he 'll offer new comforts every. Sin that we get, the sin of lust we get into, are found so often in the lives of people, is that people land up in lustful sins because of the pleasure that it gives them to reduce their pain. In their heart, The pain in their heart is so much, they don't know how to handle it. And so they get into another relationship, a rebound relationship, another, you know, they don't want to worship God, they want to get into all kinds of other stuff, you know, maybe get, get into the net and gaming and, and movies and, and into another make-believe life of fantasy because, or drugs or alcohol because that covers our pain. And that's the lust that Satan offers us. The world and its lust thereof shall perish, but he who does the will of God shall abide forever. This lust will enter in through eyes. That's why we must guard our eyes. Flee away from temptation. Especially men, if we are tempted, you know, sexually or tempted. The Bible says, flee youthful lust. Run away. Don't stand there. Don't stay there because that the destroyer wants to destroy you who is the treasure of God. And then he looks for your feet. That means he wants to get you to action. What's wrong with your heart? He wants to get you to speak. Then from your mouth, he wants to get you to to look and lust after. Uh, And then he wants to get your feet out there and act upon that. And I want you to know, having said that, Jesus, he knows that Satan has been doing all of this in your heart, through your mouth, through your eyes, and through your feet. Because he knows that if he, he's been doing this to destroy you. I have come to tell you today... That I have not come to glorify the devil. But I have come to tell you... What a great victorious God we serve. Hallelujah. Jesus came to destroy the destroyer. First John chapter 3 verse 8 says... The one who practices sin is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God has appeared for this purpose... To destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. I want you to know, at the cross, Jesus destroyed the destroyer, the power over death. Jesus destroyed it. And the cross of Jesus is a great reminder of the fact that we are fighting, a uh, defeated for. What is Jesus telling you? He's telling you, you're not fighting a big, informidable enemy. You're fighting an enemy who's attacking you by certain schemes. And if you understand these schemes, I want you to know, Jesus said one day, Satan has nothing in me. In the same way you and I can boldly say, Satan has nothing in us. Why? Because we are not unaware of the schemes of the devil in our life. If Satan has been trying to destroy you, I want you to know that Christ is empowering you to destroy the destroyer and this cross, the power of the gospel will transform your life in such a mighty way now if Satan has declared war against you and me to destroy us then this means war you and I must also declare total war against the forces of darkness The Bible says, for our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Which means, we are in a war against the enemy. We need to know who the real enemy is, family of God. We need to know that the devil is our enemy. If that's our case, then stop looking at people. Because people are not out to destroy you, nobody can destroy you. I remember one day someone told me, you know, because of them my life is destroyed. I want you to know... Uh, you know, I told him after, I said, no one can destroy my life and no one can make my life. It is me who chooses that it should be destroyed. And it's me who chooses that I want to cooperate with God so that God can raise me up from where I am. David would have felt like his life was destroyed. God lifted him up. Joseph may have felt like his life was destroyed. God raised him up. Every great saint, every man and woman of God that has felt their end has come. It isn't over. Until God calls us home. So do not be discouraged even at this moment of your life. Know who your enemy is, that Satan's your enemy. You can use Satan's weapons today against people. Or you can use God's weapons against Satan. So how do you use Satan's weapons against people? By becoming Satan's voice by when we complain against people and when we when we gossip and when we are angry and when we boast and and when we isolate ourselves and when we when we are not you know we just when we isolate ourselves we steal our gift from others we we steal the encouragement we can be to others the blessing we can be to others we isolate ourselves and that becomes a weapon of the enemy by you and i have you you and I should never steal the gift God has put on us to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Or you could use God's weapons against the devil now. What are some of those? By making God's voice In your heart a reality. Stop making Satan's voice your reality. Satan's voice is never your reality. He'll tell you God doesn't love you. It's not a reality. Make God's voice your reality. That he will never leave you nor forsake you. Make God's power your reality. The Holy Spirit of God inside of you will be your reality. Make God's love in your heart your reality. That God loves me no matter what. That even though I go through the valley of shadow that God is with me. I will fear no evil. Make God's love your reality. Make God's people your family. Make that your reality. Let God's people stand with you, pray for you. I thank God for, you know, in these last 12 years of our church, the number of times we've been discouraged in many ways. But how the people of God have stood and prayed. And I believe the prayer of the saints has been powerful upon our life. Don't run away. Let God's people become your family to you. What are some of these solutions ...that can be used... ...to stand against the destroyer... ...are there some things that you and I can use... ...that the devil will have nothing in us... ...absolutely, yes there are... ...firstly, be on the alert... First Peter chapter 5 and verse 8... ...the Bible says, be sober... ...be vigilant... ...because you're the adversary, the devil... As a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil is like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour in your life and my life. That means, he says, be sober and be vigilant. Be sharp, be prepared, be alert. Which means you must constantly in your mind tell yourself, The devil is standing to destroy me. I cannot step back and be casual, thinking that nothing will harm me. He will will try to get me with his deceptions if I have an uninformed mind. He will try to get me with his lusts and desires if I have an unrestrained desire. He will try to get me with pride and rebellion if I feel that in my heart I have an unsafe heart that I don't feel loved. This is the way. That is why God is telling you, be on the alert. Firstly, be on the alert. Secondly, God is saying, be informed. Be filled and led by the Holy Spirit by which you can trust the guidance Of the Holy Spirit. Be informed of God's ways. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Many, many times I wanted to give up. But then I would go into the prayer room. And when I would take it before the throne of God. I would be informed of the will of God. I would hear the voice of God. Holy Spirit reminding me and telling me. Don't give up now. Stand strong. Stand firm. And I want to tell you the same thing today. Be informed of His voice. Trust the voice of the Holy Spirit. His voice is comforting. His voice may be correcting. His voice is guiding when you don't know what decision to take It will guide you. His voice is keeping, will guard you. His voice is humbling. It may rebuke you and ask you to humble down. His voice is strengthening you when you feel weak. His voice is clarifying when you feel you don't know what the, the whole reason behind things are. His voice is satisfying. He's all you need. Be on the alert and be informed with his voice, thirdly the Lord is saying be obedient, be obedient to the word of God, act on the word of God, don't listen to the devil in the garden, listen to Jesus on the throne, let his word be your constitution, immediate obedience, don't delay your obedience, anything God is telling you, step out and obey, no, no, we don't want to do partial obedience, We don't want to forgive some people and say, I won't forgive others. We'll forgive all people. No partial obedience. We're going to go for complete obedience. No delayed obedience. You know, delayed obedience is also disobedience. I will forgive, but not now. I will obey, but not now. That's delayed obedience. God is saying, I want you to no delayed obedience, because that is disobedience. Do it on time and do it now. And no preferential obedience. I'll obey you in some things and not in the others. I, I, I will do some things for some, um, in some cases I will obey, other cases. No preferential obedience. God is saying, be obedient. So be alert, be informed, be obedient. And then the Lord would take you to the fourth thing, be humble. Because when we voluntarily submit ourselves under the mighty hand of God, God will lift us up. We can never be more vulnerable than when we are walking in pride. When we think in our heart, I don't need you, I can do this myself. God is saying, don't elevate yourself above God and man. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God. And in due time, he will lift you up. David always humbled himself. Moses humbled himself. Joseph humbled himself. Look at all the greats in the Bible. They all humbled themselves. And God lifted them up. Humility is your declaration of your dependence on God where you're saying I need you Lord to guide me and direct me I need you to hold me up I need your strength your spirit comforting me and leading me I need your conviction of the Holy Spirit in your heart on my heart I need you every moment I need you Lord I cannot live without you because Satan will tempt you and me to be so proud and to think more highly about ourselves and then Satan will draw, drag us to a corner and destroy us so God is saying be humble be humble And if you and I can humble down before the mighty hand of God, in due time, He will lift you up. Finally, God is saying, be in fellowship. God wants you to stay in fellowship. Team up well. Be alert. Be informed of the will of God by being guided by the Holy Spirit. And then God would say, be obedient to the word of God. Obey everything that God is saying. And then God would tell you, be humble. Humble down before the mighty hand of God. And then finally God would tell you, be in fellowship. Stay in fellowship, team up well. Do whatever you can to ensure that you don't isolate yourself from anyone or anything. Because that's the scheme of the devil. Whatever you do, people of God, whatever you do, stay in fellowship. Stay in friendships. Stay in family. Because that is where God has kept you safe. Adam and Eve tried it. Judas tried it. They all isolated themselves and they destroyed their life. You can never win Satan by using his weapons and giving into his schemes. But the weapons of our warfare are not carnal people of God. They are mighty in the Holy Ghost. Strong to the pulling down of strongholds. Jesus said in John 10.10, A thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life. People of God, most beloved of God, I want you to know, Jesus has come that you can have life. So that is the plan of God. The abundant life of God. When we are aware of the schemes of the devil. That is accusing and lying and deception and destroying and all of that. And you are aware of what God wants to offer. He wants to give you abundant life. Abundant life is not in the abundance of your knowledge. The abundance of your beauty. Or the abundance of your power. Or the abundance of your provision. The house you own. The car you drive. That's not abundant life. Or the job you have, or the career, or or the nation you live in. Then what is abundant life? The Bible says, in the book of Romans, in chapter 14, verse 17, the Bible says, and this is abundant life. That we would, the abundant life is in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness is, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. But of righteousness, peace. And joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness in being right with God. Peace. Living a peaceful life. No storm touches you. No bug can bug you. Because you are walking in the anointing. Righteousness. Being right with God. Living in peace with man and God. And walking a life. That is filled with the joy of the Holy Ghost. Even though I walk through the valley. Of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies. Surely. Goodness. And mercy. Shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever. And ever and ever. Amen and amen. God bless you. And have a wonderful year ahead. Even as we're celebrating our anniversary. I thank God for your life. And I want you to know as you go. That you're totally aware. Of the schemes of the devil. The destroyer. Cannot destroy you. But he will be destroyed by the power of the Holy Ghost in you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.